0: Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And today we have a super fun episode for you because we're going to talk about conflict. And I don't (laughs) (laughs) don't do sound effects. (laughs) A Debbie Downer sound effect. Um, Yeah, I feel like we could probably turn this into just a therapy session maybe if we wanted to because I have been looking at how I deal with conflict or rather don't deal with conflict a lot over the last... I don't know, five, six months and realizing that I've got a lot of work to do when it comes to conflict. So let's talk about that. What about you? Exciting. Good time.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of us, we just don't handle it well one way or the other. We, we avoid it or rush headlong into it, but don't do it in a way that actually brings resolution. So um, yeah, we can talk about this in terms of how different Enneagram types approach it. And then also some of the ways that we've learned other coping mechanisms in just our self-protection and relational ruts that we have in, you know, some of those familial dynamics. So yeah, let's go for it. I'm excited. Let's do
0: it. Well, I think, I don't know, should we define conflict or should we define what we're talking about when we're talking about conflict, maybe? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Although it
1: makes me laugh how we approach this. I'm like, yes, let's get into it. Let's do it now, which might be indicative of how my conflict style is versus yours. But okay. Baby, you gut anger triad person.
0: <laughs> let's just do it. Let's get into it. Yes, define. Oh. I mean, I think when we think of conflicts, we always think of somebody being mad at somebody else. At least that's how I define it. Like someone's in a fight, right? And right. you taught me long ago that anger is a symptom of a blocked goal. So I don't know if it's fair to define conflict as someone's goal got blocked and it hit up against maybe someone else's goal that got blocked or
1: yeah. I think that is a good What's starting about? point. Um, I also think it's just about speaking different languages too, mm-hmm. right? Like in a relationship, you have to decide, um, to assume the best about the other person, but we don't often, cause we're kind of hung up in our own head and our own emotions and our own uh, turmoil of whatever's going on. But understanding that the way that I'm talking about something may not be heard by you because you would talk about it in a different way. And it's almost like we're speaking different languages um, the way we approach just everything in life, right? No matter who you are. Um, So some of it could be the blocked goal. Some of it could just be not having clear communication because we're we're saying words we understand, but we're coming from different perspectives or points of view. And so some of it's just about uh, laying the cards on the table and being willing to sort it out with one another instead of a... I have to win. (laughs) If we look at conflict as a fight, then somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And that's a terrible way to approach people you love. Um, Even, I don't know, even just as a Christian, like the word of God says, uh, you've heard it said, you know, love your... God and hate your enemy. But I came to say, so Jesus came to flip that, even love your enemy. And so no matter what situation we're in, if we are coming at it from a, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose, I don't think we're doing it right. And so, um, you know, as an Enneagram one, let's, let's get it right. Let's do this right.
0: Well, speaking of that, so what I find interesting is that the Enneagram kind of actually breaks the numbers up into different conflict coping styles, and they are different from the triads, and they're different from the stances. And I am not entirely sure that I understand how they all play out really, because I can look at these and go, but that's not how I know this person who's this number really reacts that way. For Mm -hmm. instance, so ones, threes, and fives are in the same conflict coping style because y'all are emotionally logical under stress. And I kind of am laughing at that because I've seen you in stress and you like logic tends to slip out your brain. Yeah. Yeah. No. So what that, this that doesn't about, feel
1: right to me, but maybe if you like, is there a definition of that a little bit, maybe?
0: Yeah. It says like you you can be logical problem solvers and troubleshooters. You're able to emotionally detach in order to be objective in circumstances. Um, and you don't want to get worked up, you try to stay calm and controlled to resolve issues. And I do, I do see that play out in you sometimes, depending on I think all of these are dependent on who the conflict is with, how close you are within that relationship. If it's like a work conflict, absolutely you go completely logical, we're gonna find the solution, we're gonna figure this out. But if it's like a super personal relationship, then that is not how you react. And I've I've seen threes who don't react super logically under stress either.
1: Totally. Yeah. That's interesting. I I could see, I feel like I almost have three different spaces. I kind of have that workspace where I would be more like, okay, this isn't personal. We're just going to figure out the solution and what's best and fair for everybody. Um, And then the other one where I feel maybe um, the stress of like emotional withdrawal from me, in which case I want to, I get a little explosive or being misunderstood or whatever. And I kind of almost retreat. And so there's some relationships that I won't push on the conflict button at all because I'm afraid yeah. of the outcome of that. Um, so this is interesting. Yeah. Cause so I know in my life, I could pick three different conflict styles that I have, right. <laughs> even though probably my first one is going to be, how do we do this right? And how do we make it better? And, So it probably, the emotions come out of if that is blocked. So that's where we get into what you were talking about, like, anger would be the blocked goal. So my goal is, all right, it would be that uh, kind of detached, like pragmatist almost like, all right, we're in a problem. We need to sit down and understand one another. We need to figure this out. We need to figure out if just the way we're doing it isn't working and we can make that better. And this doesn't have to be personal. But then when I met with like some kind of resistance, whether that's emotionally or like shutting me down or not understanding me or whatever, then probably anger is going to be my go-to next or just complete shutdown.
0: Yeah. So maybe the first, like first filter would be accurate here. Like you want to be emotionally logical. That might be how you start to approach it. But if you're not met with that same type of problem solving opportunity by someone, then you're going to react in a different way that hits that gut place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So it would either be shut down or anger or something, but they're both from the same, like, oh, my goal is blocked. And now I don't know what to do next.
0: I think that makes sense. Um, You're close with a lot of threes related to a lot of threes. What about threes? I know that, do they approach it with that same, like initial, like, we're just going to work through this or is there a lot of big emotions involved?
1: I feel like there's emotions, but it could be the same thing as I said, like maybe again, coming from different perspectives, like coming into the situation going, okay, okay. We have a problem to solve and I feel like I have the best tools to be able to do that. And maybe when they're not met with acknowledging that their way is the best way or something. then Like if they don't win almost, right? Maybe. I hate to say it like that because I'm not sure that I would assign that motive, but probably they would assume that their way to do it would be the best way to approach it. Sure. Um, But then, so I'm in the gut anger triad. They're in that feeling triad. So they're probably going to have a big emotional expression of that. Um, So if I'm in conflict with a three, I'm going to shut down. If I'm in conflict with someone who's going to withdraw, then
0: I'm going to get aggressive, if that makes sense, (laughs) right? No, that does. I do think that, yeah, seeing how these play out with the person like depending on how close your relationship is with them, but also depending on what their Enneagram number is and their conflict coping style is going to make a difference too.
1: Yeah. So this is not very easy to determine, but let's start with
0: where these triads are formed. What are they called? They're not triads then? They're called conflict coping styles. So ones, threes, and fives are the emotionally logical under stress. Twos, sevens, and nines are the emotionally optimistic under stress. And I could see that with a seven or even a nine, a nine who's gonna withdraw but kind of stay upbeat because they don't want the conflict, right? So they're gonna do everything they can to kind of assuage, I don't know how to say that word, <laughs> soothe that conflict out. And a seven's just gonna be like conflict, what conflict, right?
1: And two or they fall might- in that category, I think, with nines. They're like they're gonna first try not to get into conflict because they're yeah. more um they're more focused on keeping the relationship intact. So what these numbers need to know is that relationships are going to be better and more full and deeper if we can handle conflict, if we can open the dialogue more. Right. But I'm guessing they're kind of the same. Like what if, um, a nine is drawn into conflict. So they're either going to shut down or go to that gut anger. Right. Kind of like a one would in, in the other space.
0: I think so. I think it probably takes a lot more to get them to that anger because they're so afraid of like breaking a relationship in conflict and disrupting their own peace
1: maybe have a nine. No, you're not. (laughs)
0: Um, And then there's the fours, sixes, and eights are emotionally reactive under stress. So they tend to work themselves up and get into this emotional, intense space and have strong opinions and maybe don't trust other people easily. And you're laughing at me. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about how different
1: that looks, at least in with the fours and eights that I know. Um, I don't know that I have had a lot of conflict with a six, um, person, like in a really personal way, maybe in a work yeah. environment. Um, so that's curious. How would you say that is different or would be true or not true for you?
0: I think... I get emotionally intense, but I don't know that I express that intensity in conflict because I actually feel like I withdraw in conflict because I'm afraid of breaking relationship. I don't know if it's that push pull thing Um, or like I, I get really internally expressive. Like I feel it real deeply and I might tell other people how deeply I feel it. Like if I'm thinking of a work situation or something like that, but I, it takes a lot for me to go and bring up a conflict that I'm not already in like, I'm not going to go initiate a conflict. So if someone else, I'm not, oh, why? Well, I think think you
1: want someone else to initiate it, but you push on (laughs) it until it happens. Maybe just with me, maybe just with me, but, but But that wouldn't be true because you're working all this internally, right. And it's getting deep and it's getting like bigger and more uh, emotional. Um, And you can't actually hide that even if you're not like saying we need to have this talk you know, so you're not initiating like that with a doing, like I would with doing you're initiating it emotionally
0: until someone else is activated.
1: Yeah. Until it activates someone else to engage. Um, and when it happens, I'm terrified of it. Right. Yeah. No, I definitely think, well, you're in the withdrawing stance there as well. Like a nine would be. Um, but how is that different from an eight? I kind of feel like. The few eights I know tend to do things more pragmatically than I would or a three would.
0: Yeah, but when something makes them angry, like they can access that. They can, they're just gonna explode and then they're done. They don't don't carry the emotional part of it around like a four might or even a six might. Right. I mean, I've seen some eights blow up in anger and like, and then it's over and you walk away.
1: That's true. And they're not carrying it on because they're not emotionally involved.
0: So I think no matter
1: where you start with, your first like conflict style in that regard, like your go-to how someone else reacts to you is definitely going to make you go one way or another. Right. And so some of us are going to withdraw. Some of us are going to engage. Is there a third one in there though, that I'm missing like withdrawal and aggressive, but there's like this middle one that, I mean, maybe a five is actually emotionally detached. I
0: don't know. I don't feel like
1: I am in that, in that first group.
0: We didn't really talk about fives, but I feel like of all of the numbers, they can probably stay the most emotionally detached. But I, I still feel like it depends on the circumstance, the intensity of the relationship. And maybe if that five has a four wing or a six wing, I, I'm not sure. I i don't know where I even found these conflict coping style groupings. I don't know how much I buy into it. I understand what they're saying, right? I understand yeah. why a one's first instinct would be emotionally logical, but I don't know that that plays out every single time a one enters into conflict.
1: Right. I think so the, if you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say um, one of the personality things that we learned in our church was um, there was three different areas they tested you in. Right. It was the temperament analysis. So one was in inclusion, which is more that social energy, group dynamics, how you engage with um, acquaintances or kind of whatever. The other one was in control or in like the way you work, the way you might be in those situations. And the other one was in um, the deeper affection, like the, the, the people you would really say were in the inner circle. And I found that helpful because our personality builds on top of our Enneagram, especially mm-hmm. as we experience life, what works, what doesn't work. And so I think for me, for sure, I'm going to be a different type of personality, uh, even though my one is what is the motivation to make it right in work is a lot different than to make it right in a deep relationship or in a social dynamic. So like in a social dynamic, I'm mostly, especially like, you know, me on social media, I'm just not going to engage because like, why does it matter? Does anybody care? You know, but if it's a deep relationship, I am going to engage because that matters to me. Like I really need that to be steady and, and whole and secure. And in a work dynamic, I'm really driven there in my one space to like, let's make it better. Let's make it the best. Let's, let's get the kinks ironed out. Let's make sure everybody knows who's responsible and what's going on. Um, And so I think the a little bit of that personality plays on top of, even though my motivation as a one is the same, it's going to look a little different than a one who's right next to me, who has a different personality that they built on top of that.
0: I think that's interesting. I wonder, I'm looking at these going, okay, I can see a lot of how these play out on social media. And I'm wondering if that would be more of that bigger inclusion space. I think versus. And so maybe maybe these conflict coping styles work fairly well to describe how someone would engage in inclusion, but it's kind of missing that more work dynamic versus the deep relationship dynamic. Because on social media, I can see how I will kind of engage a little bit more. I'm not afraid of the relational fallout of social media engagement. Right. And if there's something I feel really strongly about and my emotions are flared up about it, I'm going to go engage in that and it could cause conflict. It still stresses me out a little bit, but I'm going to be more reactive.
1: Yeah. I, so with all of those, I could see that a little bit more because I'd say with, like, with some of the eights we know too, they're like on social media, they're just like, here's what I think. Boom, deal with it. Yeah. You know, they're not, and they might really get upset with you too if you disagree or whatever. But in a relational dynamic, personally, it may not work, play out like that.
0: Right, And even like the two sevens and nines, they're probably the ones least likely to go start conflict on social media because they're gonna be a little bit more optimistic about maybe a middle ground or maybe finding the bright side or just you know, here's pictures of my puppies or something <laughs> like that. Um, we talk about social media for just a
1: minute because I <laughs> sure. want to go back to one of the first things I said though, like if there has to be a winner or a loser, then are we being motivated by love? Are we being motivated by um, charity? <laughs> because if everything is, he said, like, you have to land up on this side or this side, or else there, you know, there's no middle ground. Um, are we not seeing the people behind that keyboard <laughs> that are real people? Like, would we talk to people in the same way if they were sitting having coffee with us? As I see some Christians talk to people on social media. Um, just wanted to throw that in there. A little truth bomb there. I think no, I, I'm just amazed at how I see people engage in that environment.
0: I think it's been a really hard year and a half, five years. I'm not five sure on, yeah. on social media because it has been so like lines are being drawn in the sand. And I remember a year ago thinking like, okay, I no longer want to be on this side of the sand. Cause I don't love all of the things that I'm seeing come out of it, but there's no place to stand on the line anymore. If you, if you are yeah rejecting like one side of the sand, you're automatically thrown to the other side. And I had to figure out like, but do I really believe everything I'm over here now saying that I'm aligning myself with? I don't think so, but there's no middle ground anymore. Like there just hasn't been a place for that both and on social media at all. No, I know.
1: And so if you even want to have a discussion about something, it's, well, Whose side are you on? Why do we have to have sides? Why is life a game of tug and war like this? You know? So again, just kind of going back to the same thing. If if you would take a step back and look at how you are engaging in conflict, avoiding conflict, or whatever on social media, that might be a good intuition as to what your go-to lens is, because that has no immediate consequences, like yeah. it does when you're sitting across the the table from someone and you see their face drop when you, when your words hurt them, you know, or you see um, them withdraw when your word, you know, hits them. And um, so that might be a good instinct of like what that first lens is. But then again, like we said, there's so many nuances to how we engage. And I think um, in There's what we used to call these in my family growing up, relational ruts. Like there's a way that we learn to engage with people that we're with a lot, like whether that's family or, you know, friends that you've grown up with or people that you just know really well or work with. And you learn how to sidestep the bombs or set them off if you need it, you know, whatever. You also learn what, what how to say things in a way that makes someone um, accessible to you versus pushing them away. And I think in those areas, it gets really tricky with conflict because you have a you know a decade, two decades, three decades of a relational rut, and someone decides to step outside that and try something new. It kind of like throws everything upside down. And then what do we do?
0: Yeah, yeah. You and I have encountered that in different ways too. Just where all of a sudden it's like, wait, all of a sudden I feel like you're walking on eggshells with me, or I'm walking on eggshells. Like, mm-hmm. but the fact that we can say it immediately. And, and we kind of started our friendship that way to say like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to get into those ruts I think has helped. What do you think?
1: Yeah. yeah I think instead of waiting until the moment where everything's emotional and everyone's reactive. It's about having, again, okay, so maybe this is my conflict resolution style, but let's sit down and have a conversation about how we're going to deal with conflict because mm. it's going to happen. If the relationship means anything at all and you have any depth to it at all, there's going to be conflict because again, we're both coming, we're both hiding different pains. We're both coming from different uh, viewpoints. There's just relational breakdown just because, I, you know, Disintegration is involved in everything. But if it means anything at all, we're going to have some kind of conflict to go deeper, to get to know each other better. And so can we have a discussion upfront about what that looks like? And so if all of us could start acknowledging like how we're going to engage. So when I come to you and say, can we have a talk... <laughs> I'm thinking this means this is good. We're close enough and the relationship is secure enough that I can be pragmatic and emotionally detached from this to say, I want this to be better. How can we make it better? But if you are in that, you know, avoidance part of it, then it's like, you just ran away. Now, I don't know. What do I do? Track you down <laughs> to get aggressive or withdraw too? Now no one's, you know, helping. So um, I think just in, in the non-heated moments. Whether this is a friendship, a marriage, a work environment, having those discussions about like, what is my first instinct and being honest, you know, like you can, you could say to me, I'm going to withdraw first. And that's like, just let me withdraw and then I'll come back to it or whatever. Or, um, I'm going to be honest and say, I might get aggressive when you withdraw, because I think that means that, you know, you didn't think my way was right or something, whatever.
0: Um, you say whatever, but these are real life examples, (laughs) You know, just as an example, (laughs) (laughs) just as an example of the last like three conflicts that we've had where I immediately withdraw and you're like, stop it, stop walking away.
1: (laughs) But I think we've also determined that there are times that it's okay to walk away to like for some personality types, you know, they need that time to gather their thoughts, but to have that discussion ahead of time, like let's say in a marriage, you know, like one person needs to go figure out what they're thinking. -hmm. Allow that, or or the uh, emotions are running really high. I think um, we we heard Bernie Brown talk about this. So, like, she was interviewing someone. She didn't specifically say this, but they were marriage counselors. They're saying give each other permission to walk away because biologically it takes thirty to sixty minutes for the blood flow to get from that fight or flight. (laughs) where you just really want to run out of the room or fight and each person's going to have a different reaction there but it takes biologically for the brain 30 to 60 minutes for the blood flow to get back to the prefrontal cortex so you can even have a discussion now instead of just screaming at each other or whatever and so they're like it is okay to take a pause and take a break because you're going to need that just to get back to where you can actually get to problem solving um and so i think it's just good always to have those conversations when when the blood's flowing in the right direction to say <laughs> okay so this is something that we know is a trigger for us. So next time this happens, let's give each other the white flag to say, "Okay, I'm walking out, but not forever. I'll come back in an hour." You know, and and that means I'm not running away from the conflict. It just means I need some time to process. I need to settle down. I need to gather my thoughts, and then I'm going to come back to this because this relationship means enough to take the risk of you know having the conflict.
0: So I think all of this is a really good thirty thousand foot view of talking about conflict but now I'm curious. I mean, I know the answer to this, but maybe not everyone does. What, what things set you off the most? Just you personally.
1: I think two things. If I am perceived as being like hyper emotional and being misunderstood, um, like if my feelings got hurt and I want to deal with that and the other person's like, oh my gosh, like just settle down. Your voice is too loud. You're too amped up or whatever. Um, that depending on the person will either make me withdraw or go into overtime. Or secondly, if I'm perceived as the bully. So mm-hmm. it's interesting either if I'm the victim or the bully, I can't decide which one of those is more painful to me, but if I'm like, so if I go into aggressive mode and then the other person is like withdrawing, like, oh, I can't believe you talked to me like that or whatever. That makes me feel like we, I just wanted to make this better. Like, why am I the jerk now? You know? Um, although both of them have like I have to own my part in both of those because whether I am withdrawing because I feel like the victim of the situation or I'm getting aggressive because I feel like the bully, both of those are my own responses of in self-protection. Yeah. Right. And so either way, I'm sinning against the other person because I'm not still just showing up to make the thing better and showing up in vulnerability. So either way I've either put on like a garment that doesn't fit right. And is not mind aware? And so, you know, I always have to come back and repent of that one way or the other.
0: That's good. What yeah. about you? I think, well, you can probably fill this in better than I could even, but I'm, I'm positive that being misunderstood is a big one just for any, for especially, but um, yeah, if I'm, if I, if I feel like there's so much like emotion inside of me and I can't express it in a way that's received correctly, mm-hmm. like to match what I'm feeling, but I always, I don't always even know how to express everything that I'm feeling. Cause it's always so crazy and messed up and intense. Yeah. And then if it doesn't get received correctly or someone thinks something differently of me, then I meant them to that. That's a huge trigger, I think.
1: Um, So what are the, what do you do with that? Is that just shut down or.
0: Um. I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the times, especially if it's not a super close relationship, I probably just completely shut down because it's not worth it to me to engage, to make it right. And then like, for instance, if it's you or another close relationship like that, I, I don't know that I shut down right away, but I immediately back off like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be in conflict. Is this okay? Are we okay? And then now all of a sudden we're not dealing with the actual issue that was yeah. brought up. We're yeah. dealing with the fact that I won't engage in conflict. And so we've, so so that's my own self-protection because now I've completely changed the the topic and made right. now I've made you have to make things right for me as opposed to let's deal with the actual issue at hand.
1: Yeah, so that's good. I think everybody if we could be honest about what it is that we're doing that's self-protection for ourselves, we could acknowledge where we could um, make a choice to set that aside and get back to the main thing, which was wherever the communication breakdown happened, mm-hmm. you know because that really that really can be, done without a lot of name calling and withdrawing and fist fight, you know, that really can just be like, Hey, let's, let's have a safe space where we can sort through this together. But because that safe space requires vulnerability, our first response is always to cloak back up. And so whatever we normally would cloak up with whatever that looks like. And again, some people it's literally punching other people it's withdrawing and everything in between. Um, That's the part we have to start getting really honest about repenting of, to one another and to the Lord, like I, I can make, we can have a safe space here without me always having to have up this um, thing to protect myself, because that is the thing that always sidetracks it from really getting to the conflict resolution. Like you said, like for you, if, well, now it's about us dealing with you, not wanting to be engaged in conflict instead of whatever caused it to begin with. And that would be the same for me too. And I think probably every type could say that in their own words.
0: I don't remember where I heard this. It must've been on the podcast. I was listening to where somebody, they were talking about conflict and somebody said like, I would engage better in conflict if you brought it to me saying we're okay, but let's talk about this. Like always that reassurance. And I know that for some people and some types that feels really irrational to have to do that. Like, of course we're going to be okay. Um <laughs> Like, for instance, you, you're like, what? And I'm like, no, every fight we have, I'm like, so we're breaking up, right? This is the end of our friendship as we know it. And you're like, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, well, it's a total, it's it's never not gonna be a fear for me. It's never not gonna be a fear for most sixes. It's never not gonna be a fear for a lot of twos or nines. So I think it's important to realize that and to be able to maybe like upfront that and like go talk to that fear first and then maybe engaging in conflict would be a little bit easier I don't know if that's always possible. I don't, I'm not even saying to have to tiptoe to those numbers, but just knowing that that's always going to be, even irrationally, like that's always going to be a fear.
1: Yeah. I think you just have to know one another and be willing to do what speaks love to the other person, you know, but that Mm -hmm. goes the other way too, because- immediately. So it looks more aggressive for like a one or a three or an eight or whatever, but it's still a fear. Like an eight's like, did you just betray me? Like, so Mm -hmm. I'm getting on top of this situation, but it's still fear. So, you know, if every, uh, I don't know, I think it's just, it's always that commitment to one another in that space that we're going to be safe for each other here. And whatever I know to be true about you, I'm going to try to, um, Did I say a swage? Is that what you said earlier? The word we can. I don't know if I'm saying it right. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's the difference between walking on eggshells and and, um, paving a pathway for someone. So like, if I know that you need to hear this, I want to say that because I want to, I want to make a bridge here. Um, But eggshells, that's not bridge building. And so that's just probably a fine line. And it's probably just a commitment to one another to figure out where that line is. All
0: right teacher preacher one, what, what tips do you have then for people who find themselves either getting too aggressive or withdrawing? I mean, any of it for just a a healthier conflict style. What would you say? I think you
1: only ever have control of yourself. Um, but in, in deep relationships where both of you have committed to doing the work, you have to try to have those conversations when you're not in conflict to figure it out, to figure out what is our dynamic. And to look like how much space do I have to speak truth here? And how much am I giving you permission to speak truth into me? You know? And so um, I don't know that there's just a pat answer. It's really messy and it's hard, but it's so worth it on the other side. I mean, I think we would say that it's so worth it. Like yeah. when um, my husband and I don't fight the same as we did our first year of marriage, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that was all about him avoiding conflict and me wanting to know why I wasn't worth the conflict, you know, like, (laughs) so what do you mean? Like, why wouldn't you make this better? You just don't care. You just want to stay like this forever. You don't want to grow at all. You know, and none of that was what he was thinking. Yeah, Um, But now like, even if we, in fact, he'll even kind of blow up at me now, which is actually growth for him versus me needing to not blow up so often. So it's really balanced out well, (laughs) but I think it's just making a commitment. Um, But even in places where I don't have an assurance from the other person that they're safe, am I living wholeheartedly enough to make a choice that even if they don't want what I'm offering, that doesn't speak to my value? Or even if they don't want to make it better because of their own fears, that I can understand that that's about their fears and it's not about their love for me or their acceptance of me or approval of me. And so that's where we have to own it just individually because we have no control at all, even in our deepest relationships, how someone's going to respond to us. But if their response to me determines my value or determines my health or security, then I'm not whole enough in Jesus yet. That's just how how it has to come down to. Like I can acknowledge that that was painful that they didn't receive what I had to say or they misunderstood me or they thought I was being emotional or whatever. But at the end of the day, I have to just lay that down at the foot of the cross because I love them more than them
0: having to be right and toward me. Does that make sense? Am I talking about that? Okay. No, I think that, you're saying it, it all comes back to our own heart issues and our own relationship with the Lord and how we're letting him shape us and who he's called us to be.
1: Right. So like for you, even if you were misunderstood in a really hard conversation that we had, me understanding you doesn't actually define your value as much as right. knowing that at the end of the day, the Lord does, and there's nothing deficient in you. And me not understanding had something to do with my hearing and my, 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 uh, seeing of the situation, not that it's actually broken. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, I think that's good. I think it, I don't, I don't have a follow-up to that, except that it's just the journey that we're all on is trying to figure out who, who God has called us to be and what that identity in him looks like as image bearers and as sons and daughters. And how do we keep living that out in a way that is vertical and horizontal? Because that's really where the conflict resolution comes into play, I think.
1: So good. Yeah. I think if I just was going to close this, I would say do your own work with God <laughs> on your w- within yourself. And then the overflow of that wholeness that you come from, you can take a lot from other people because you're like, I'm just out here extending bridges. I'm just extending bridges. I'm not looking to be seen or heard or valued. I'm just out here extending grace to others because it's the same grace that I received. And that is just, it's going to be met with more people, more willing to take risk with you because they sense that you're safe. If you're out there trying to figure out who's safe for me, mm. they're going to react to that, right? Because they're not sure that they are safe in their own skin anyway. So I really think it always comes back to doing the work that we have to do within ourselves with the Lord. And then looking for places where we can walk that journey with someone else, where there because there is a commitment or just be, a bridge builder for others and be willing to take the hits because we understand that it's just coming out of their own fear, you know.
0: And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social
1: media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward
0: slash groups forward slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for information and pricing about individual coaching sessions. And we even offer virtual and in-person staff training opportunities for your organization. You can also follow me on Instagram at enneagrammegan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org.
1: And while you're there, check out our retreat for this November 2021 in Colorado. We have registration live, and we would love to see you there.